Good morning. I'm Daniela. Welcome to the Woman on Fire podcast. I'm here with Jamie. The co-host and sometimes takes the lead and sometimes takes the backseat. <laughs> yeah, we are a team and we have been absent on here for a while. So I'll give you that update. My computer from 2012 totally just stopped turning on one day and um, usually have a few episodes that we've recorded that are just backed up that we can put out there um, but they're stuck on that computer and that's why you haven't heard any episodes in a while and we also haven't recorded in a while because it's been a busy like past month um, yeah now we've had so- lots of babies and lots of yeah. interesting scenarios oh so many that we're um kind of sort of dive into in some ways um but but yeah that's why we've been in my a and hopefully i can access my hard drive at some point i got some tips but it, it's going to take me some time to figure it out um so in the meantime um we're here and yeah we've got kind of a hodgepodge of topics to dive into that um, kind of stem from a transition Jamie's navigating. So I'll let you share where you're at and, and let that start the conversation. Sure, sure. Um, so I've been doing this work um, for about 11 years now. And uh, I remember, you know, when I started really feeling like I wanted to help everyone and I wanted to show everyone like, this great gift and um, that I could help, that I could, I really believed I could help everyone and help them see a different perspective and, and, um, you know, question the norm and all these things. And for many years, I spent a lot of time um, while training as a midwife and actually a couple of years into my, or, or birth attendant, um, into my time as a, as a person who does hold space, you know, I did a lot of um, training uh, as well as um, different kind of training, which I feel like doula work is a little bit of a different kind of training. It's super hands-on and it's really about trying to navigate the system. And I've heard different podcasts where they even talk about like, basically you should have a lawyer be your doula. Um, (laughs) And how crazy that is. And so, you know, um, yeah. And then I would say in 2019, is that when we were in LA, Daniela? Mm, Probably. So the summer, it's been about two years where I really kind of like got clear about things because I was started as the the more I was doing home deliveries, supporting women in those places, um, you know, I still, I was trained under physicians and I was trained, you know, I wasn't necessarily trained under traditional midwifery practices. I was trained, you know, with medications and interventions and oxygen and all those things, though not nearly as heavily used as in the sort of Western medical model. Um, And then going from that and then getting into the extreme of the Western medical model with women who wanna have natural births but end up with inductions for various reasons and, you know, trying to help women navigate those conversations with their physicians or understand what's really being presented in front of them. And even when it comes down to what's being offered of what women want as far as birth, and I was saying, and I was leaving these hospital births feeling like, great, she had a baby and we avoided a C-section. And, but then also seeing what we, what wasn't avoided or what a woman had to compromise or give up or be talked out of or into. Um, And not that any of that is like, this isn't a judgment really so much on systems, but really more of my awakening of what I had the capacity to hold space for when I had a different view of the possibilities. Um, 
you know, the possibilities in the Western medical model are very um, narrow and it's, there's a lot of people who are quite comfortable with that and, you know, mitigating any and all risk as best as possible, um, no matter how much of a tenth of a percentage it is. And so um, that I was leaving these births feeling frustrated or sad or even just worn out and I and I was trying to evaluate why and and I was coming really to the conclusion as we were in LA working with an OB and I learned more so much about ultrasounds <laughs> when I was there um but also starting to realize that like maybe I didn't want to work with women who wanted an epidural um, as like, that's part of their birth plan. And not that I think that women shouldn't have an epidural or if that they want it, that that's something that I should, you know, like, but, but I don't know that I'm the best person to hold space for that kind of an intervention. Um, largely because it doesn't always happen that you get an epidural and then the cascade of interventions kinds of flows down the hill. But there is a reason why we talk about this, because it's also not abnormal at all. Um, or women who want to have these natural births and, and then get talked into an induction at 41 weeks because it's 41 weeks and things like that. So really starting to like look at these interventions and then the bigger picture of it, right? So this, if we're just inducing at 41 weeks, then that woman is likely to get an epidural and especially if it's something that she has decided that it was okay if she if that if that was part of her birth plan and again it sounds terrible to like start putting those parameters on it but but watching these things happen and this coercion and this consent to these um seemingly minor um interventions that end up being um, more and more problematic and, you know, fevers and ruptures of membranes to get things moving, you know, like basically like choosing one intervention over another in order to keep things going along. And then, and then having sort of these women leaving a little bit you know, like they're satisfied, but maybe unsatisfied. Some are really unsatisfied. Some are actually quite satisfied, but don't really recognize that they gave away all of their birth plan form, like what they, what they wanted. And, you know, um, and so I decided that if a woman really wanted a natural birth in the hospital that I would, you know, I would try my best to, I, I would, I would be willing to, to support them, but that if women really wanted all these interventions or if they needed them and need and want are different things, um, but that maybe there's other doulas who are better suited for holding that space and um, that it was not really a service to these women that I was serving if it wasn't, if I, if I was, if I was struggling with some of the choices that they were that they were putting themselves in front of um and so for the past couple of years i have not been taking women who want epidurals and being really honest about it with folks and um and found some solace in that of like okay well i'm seeing fewer intervention but then also like well now I'm seeing these other things come into play, like the inductions, mm -hmm. like, like, um, you know, coercion into epidural at the last minute because of fear of a big baby or fear of this, that, or the other from the practitioners. And, um, yeah. Sorry, you just kind of prepare for so many scenarios and then you're like, whoa, a new one comes up. You're like, wow, that, that was a really creative one. I didn't see that one coming. Like there's always something that's the thing with engaging with the hospital-based work. So often like there's often just always something. 
well, and who is the nurse you're going to be working with and what kind of trauma is she bringing into the space? You know, like there's definitely nurses who want women on epidurals and that just make, and it's because that's what they're comfortable with. It's more controlled. It's more, you know, it's a, it's a different way of management. And when you have five people in labor at once, like sometimes that's easier or, you know, like the coercion into an epidural for suspected big babies so the doctor can do maneuvers and things like this. And um, so then, you know, I basically started stepping backward and backward and backward from, from doing supporting hospital births in general, because one, I've been doing it for 10 years and two, um, it's a lot to detox afterward, just the, 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 the fear and the distrust and the surmounting pressure as far as time, whether you're either, you might not even be in labor yet. And there's this time and then on the bait, then the time frame put on the labor and then the time frame put on how quickly the baby has to get it together on this other side and how quickly we intervene in those things and the placenta and this whole narrative of like that time is this really specific construct and that women all need to birth like this and that yes we did all these interventions but look you and your baby are healthy and thank goodness we did these things and pretending like you know that that's the only you know like we had to it's it's just this narrative has was getting harder and harder for me to play along with and and help women make peace with a story that they don't understand and even trying to like grab at straws to justify why these things have happened um so the women can find peace in what happened not really knowing or understanding that it happened by and large by the model within which they chose to birth mm -hmm. and that again like everybody has the right to choose how they want to birth but then also you know as a lot of people say about even choosing home birth well then you have to you have to honor the fact that you're choosing what you're choosing that if something goes wrong that like well that's because you birthed at home but when something goes wrong in the hospital it's like oh we did everything we could Right. And then people can make peace with that general understanding that life is in fact just inherently risky and that there's only so much we can do. And at some point there's just things that are out of our hands that just happen in life. But yeah. Um, well, looking at these healthy women going in with these healthy pregnancies and being hooked up to IVs and being restricted and constricted and feared and then these NICUs filled with babies who didn't start at home. They didn't start there, you know, <laughs> right. there's very few of those babies in that NICU were, if any, are from a transfer situation. So then also just recognizing that like there's different ways of looking at everything. And that even boils down to what's happening in the world right now. No, and, it does. <laughs> and, we always like to talk about it's bigger than birth. It's the microcosm of birth, but the macrocosm of all the parallels of what we choose in life. And so, yeah, so just finalizing my last couple of hospital births and they were doozies, honestly. And I don't know if it's because maybe I had short timers disease around it of like, <laughs> I'm almost done. This is the end. Mm -hmm. But having to face a few um, really interesting scenarios um, and being and being really solid of like, this is why I'm 
why I'm stepping away from this paradigm. I understand that there's a time and a place and a, and a, and a woman who wants and need wants and or needs it. It's not to be yeah. blind to the fact that it serves a purpose or has a place, but also recognizing in me that like, it's also okay that that's not really the best place for me to serve people. Exactly. That's all you're saying. You're not saying by any stretch that women in the hospital don't deserve a doula. That's not what this conversation or is. Or deserve the best or that they're making the best decision for themselves at the time. Like, I totally think that that is the reality that women have all these options and do choose what's right for them at the time, you know, with the information that they have presented. Mm-hmm. It's so these are wonderful women and wonderful mothers and wonderful you know yeah. it's just knowing that like but that's and there's great doulas who feel really comfortable with all those interventions and medications there's great midwives that's why there's nurse midwives <laughs> well that's what i was gonna say you know like the whole point there is just that you're not called to play that role anymore and that's that's all and that's fine. And that's honoring your truth and where you're at. And yes, we need allies everywhere. Like, right, CN, certified nurse midwife, CNN's in the hospital. Like, great, you know? Bless when we do people. transport into the Bless hospital, yeah, straight up. And, and when we go to the hospital planned or not, and there is a nurse who's just like, you know, so into natural birth. And, she, and they're like, oh, yeah, I was a doula too. Or I studied about being a doula. And and, you know, they have a, a high level of respect for informed consent and refusal. Like, that matters. Like, thank you. I've actually talked to a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, I did the home birth thing for a while, but now I really want to go be an ally in the medical world. Like, right on. We need that. And I'm so thankful that some people are called for that. And I know for a fact I am not called to be a CNN by any stretch. Um, that's not me, Right but we need people on the whole spectrum, right? You know, it's like, just like whatever my, the electrician, the the plumber, like so grateful for these people. We need them. I'm not called to be one of those people. That's just it. We all just honor our truth of what we're called to be showing up in the world as and engaging with. So I just love hearing this process of yours and while witnessing it alongside you um, of just figuring out your truth more and more and as it changes over time and, becomes clearer and and then embodying it right like you said it's been kind of bubbling up in different ways throughout the past few years yeah kind of stepping out and being like that was a good birth but like why do I feel gross about it or like why what's my hang up about it and and really realizing like what is my stuff and owning it and not feeling like I need to put it on other people i mean if people are curious or they want to learn or they want to know a different way like that that's what i'm here for and um and that if they want to do this mainstream you know way and and give their themselves up to you know the medical world some people aren't ready to accept responsibility either and so you know and that's okay (laughs) there's things that i don't want to be responsible for (laughs) and this is one of them is like recognizing that like when i go home from these situations and feeling like well yeah she had a vaginal birth but like she had an episiotomy even and she you know, her baby got taken from her for X amount of time and all that stuff. And and I think when you know and see a different way for so long and how smooth that runs too, that like, not to say that some babies at home don't need support and need to go in, but we know that it wasn't because of any sort of medicine or- right, Not because of an intervention or disruption in the natural process put into it right Right. you know I want to tease something out here that I'm realizing for us this is more a common conversation but for the larger doula community um this might actually be kind of like whoa impactful like what you choose not to work with some people based on their personal choices 
and I'm realizing right in part of like I didn't train with some of those um, with any mainstream organization I straight trained with like this really small grassroots um, group ran on the big island by a retired midwife um, so I didn't get a lot of that mainstream indoctrination that I hear from other doula groups that it's like well do I've heard people say like doulas are not um, advocates I'm like huh like they straight up are in their training are told like, no, you are not there to be advocating, right? You're not there to rock the bell. You're not there for, to speak up on behalf of the mother, which we can speak about that. Like there's some truth there too. Yeah, sure. But there's a lot of complacency that seems to be encouraged in these trainings of just like, have no opinion, don't speak up, be quiet, just rub the mom and hold her hand no matter what she decides to do and to some extent again yes of course support like unconditional love and support certainly but also you know you don't have to be a doula that says yes to everything you don't have to be a woman a person anything in this world that just says yes to every single opportunity that comes your way um I think that I started to feel some of that pressure too, honestly, of like from the nursing staff of like, you're getting in the way of us making our decisions and that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to just be here and love her and, pardon me, and not question and not, you know, and again, it's like, well, when you know a different paradigm and you know what this woman wants and yet she's in this situation where she's being presented with only one choice where there are many um, or wanting to slow down and ask questions and then feeling that pressure from the medical staff of like I'm you're getting in the way Right. And then it comes back to, well, what is your relationship with this person and why did they hire you? Right. I always make it a point to like check in with people like, what do you want from me? Why did you like what, you know, why do you want a doula? Right. So I can be clear about what role they want me to play. But also then I share the role that I have come clear to with myself. That's important to me to play in this world. And for some people, Right. Like you said, the whole realizing, oh, natural birth, supporting that and understanding that is an important part of my life's journey. And it's what I'm good at. And it's what I've committed to. And some people are like, oh, yeah, I don't necessarily care about that. It's like, okay, great. Well, then then we figure out that we don't have, you know, some shared important values and that maybe it's not the right match. But but right. It's like, does that person want you to speak up and what do they want you to speak up about or not or or educate them on or not, you know, when the staff is going to cut the cord at 30 seconds, do they want you to speak up or not, <laughs> you know? Well, and for them to recognize that really we can't, we can mention something, but we can't say stop, don't, because it's not, we have no authority. As a doula, you don't really have authority. Um, you have the opportunity to mention things along in the birth plan, but Right. Like, hey, I can be your eyes while you're focused on your baby or you're in the zone or whatever. Like, I'll be your eyes and I can like help bring your attention and your partner's attention to things that might be going on. But right. You guys have to speak up. But even that part gets really hard. Um, Well, and how many times people are being like offered something that they don't really want. And then they're like looking to the doula of like, what do I do? And a lot of these trainings that there are given now for certified doulas is like, you do what the doctor says. Well, right. And there's talks of doulas getting uh, covered by insurance and then hired by the hospital. And but then you work for the hospital. And and it's like, we got to point out here, like, that's a conflict of interest. If you're working for the hospital, then you don't work for the client. And again, depending on what your purpose is in this work, to me, I'm like, well, that defeats the fucking purpose (laughs) in in many important ways, because then you're not going to rock the boat with your employer that's paying your bills and your check and signing the check, right? I mean, but instead of focusing on the woman that's hiring you, and then there's that 
mirrored situation with midwifery, right, of licensure and who you work for. Do you work for the state? Do you work for mothers and birth? And who do you answer to at the end of the day, right? So, which is, you know, something we need to acknowledge as this whole pandemic stuff is going on and, and some places are moving in the direction of only accepting certified doulas like well well, what what does that even mean like certified by who and whatever um but only accepting someone who's been part of a certain type of indoctrination right we're just starting to see that more and more throughout the country and um and it's upsetting because again it's taking away from the focus of actually what we're there to do yeah it's it's serving the mother. The whole reason the whole doula thing even became a thing was because women are increasingly dissatisfied with their hospital experiences. Doulas didn't really come up for like home births. I mean, yes, they had home births, but like, like but that's not you know, where it came from. It's no. because women were starting to not understand what was happening in their births and women were feeling isolated and that they didn't they needed somebody there who who knew instead of like oh 15 minute break for your nurse like you know the industrial the industrialized way of birthing and sort of have a continuity of somebody who not only knew what was going on but was willing to stay with you for the majority of the time if not the whole time you know, and right. now they have to have this sort of, this is how to be a doula. I mean, some of these programs are like, you don't use essential oils. You don't use summer. You don't even touch the woman. Like, are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh geez. I'm sorry. And what are we doing? Laughable to me though. Are you just a lawyer negotiating the contract? Right. Too afraid to ruffle feathers and to speak up and rub someone. And the just wrong realizing way. that it was it's too hard for me to hold my tongue anymore. It's uh, too hard for me to you know, I also had a situation where I had a lady who multiple times I thought she wasn't gonna hire me. I thought I was too radical and our very first conversation and she was like, Well, my doctor knows I wanna have a natural birth and I was like, Yeah, but what about when you get to forty weeks and a few days and they want to induce you and she's like that's not gonna happen my doctor knows i want to have a natural birth and, <laughs> and then i was like okay and then i didn't hear for for a couple weeks and then we ended she ended up hiring me and then of course you know that's exactly what happened you're too radical for her. well that she, oh, got she got induced the induction right, at 41 right, right. weeks it was scheduled at 40 weeks in a couple of days and she got the you know the induction for suspected large baby oh that's right right that right that's the favorite card time. it's baby's too big you're too far past your due dates or there's not enough water yeah They're the common cards <laughs> watch out for those folks <laughs> So it just gets harder and harder to navigate that, I think, and um, and sit with that when you when your perspective is a little different. And well, so, you know, we also have a, a, a different insight. If there's a doula that's never attended a home birth, then she really has. Um, her view of what birth can be even natural birth can be is limited to what the hospital believes birth can be about and is allowed to happen within their policies and their parameters but what we see of what physiology is actually about I mean I think about this one a lot for example the birth of the head and the birth of the body in a physiologic birth, as in untouched, without intervention, without someone telling the mom what to do, just mom doing her thing, usually tends to be born at different times, right? Head born during one contraction, and then there's the pause until the next contraction, and then 
the rest of the body is boring, right? And I find it very hard when I'm trying to, like I'm having birth education conversations with hospital, you know, doula families that I'm working with. And I'm trying to explain to them about like natural physiological birth. And then I'm trying to describe the birth part of the baby actually coming through. And then I realize like they will, that never happens in the hospital. They will never wait until the next contraction to let the body be born. And that's a very conflicting place to be because I want to tell them about the physiology, but it's not going to be honored. So then I'm like, oh, then I'm holding the information in because what's the point of telling them? Unless these are people that are going to be super radical and tell the doctors, don't touch me. But the doctors are always hands-on or CNN or whoever might be so hands-on when that baby's coming through. Like, have you ever witnessed a provider in the hospital intentionally not be hands-on and let there be a pause between the birth of the head and the body? It's also no. And also, <laughs> and I've seen actually people like getting their discs slipped and things from them yanking women out of position and into another position to get babies out before another contraction, before the baby even has time to rotate, you know, and this is some of the stuff that's like, why I started questioning, like, why do I feel so icky? Oh, this lady's got back problems for the rest of her life. And it was like 45 seconds after the head was born before they like flipped her over and yanked the baby out, you know, like these are, and, and again, this is not always how it happens, but it's just sort of that even the other thing is that you're not going to usually get a person who, even if you explain physiological birth and they're like, oh yeah, I want that pause, then they're probably not the people that are going to be choosing to have a hospital birth in the first place. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. If they can understand the depth of those details of physiology but sometimes people don't get the discrepancy until they're in it that the yeah. hospital doesn't fully support physiological birth because that's just an inherent part of the model of how they approach things it's not yeah. that they will say we don't support physiological birth no it's just that their approach isn't is in alignment anything, with but... how physiology works right yeah um and then what you mentioned earlier of the whole healthy mother healthy baby culture like it gets hard to be a part of that all the time because it often comes back to like you said you're like trying to focus on the like silver linings of scenarios to help moms like make peace with their scenario um and I know I've had moments where I kind of catch myself slipping about to be like oh well at least you know healthy mother healthy baby I'm like wait wait hold on that's well, yes, but <laughs> well, but we know that they say, you know, like, we'll be grateful your baby's healthy and, and you're healthy. And by that, they mean you're alive and that's it. Healthy to them means you're alive. <laughs> you're not dead. So be grateful. And yes, certainly be grateful you're alive. And also you're allowed to have feelings about the fact that maybe you do feel really messed up because something was not respected or now you're dealing with mental issues two years after your birth because I've been with people like that two years later they're still dealing with stuff um because of the trauma that happened in the birth like yeah sure we're alive great right on um and also there were some things that were really not okay and that just happens more and and more and and Healthy mother, healthy baby is such a, um, I don't know, it's just like putting a little blanket over the trauma and calling it good. Like, oh, just a little gloss over it. Don't worry, you'll get over it. Um, but it seems some deep trauma, right? The trauma of woman and then the trauma that sometimes we carry on, whether the woman has it or not right because sometimes we right we do see things so differently often um than the birthing people and that can be hard too right like they're all happy ish um and we're over here like wickedly traumatized about what we saw because we can see some connections that they're not just because of our experience and whatever yeah and that there's a place for that there's nurses who are really good with that and can really 
work with that and there's doulas that are like that and, and nurse midwives and obstetricians and all these things and a lot of it is because that's really all they see and that's the paradigm within which they align and agree with and that's okay and I think that this is that like giving that permission though that if you don't feel okay with it or if you don't if you really are questioning it or if it really isn't sitting right that that's okay too and that maybe you're not meant to serve every single person out there and that like if you feel like you need to have a buffer zone it's not because you don't love all of these people and it's not because you don't love you know the opportunity for choice it's just also okay to recognize that like that's not the space you're good at holding <laughs> or that you maybe you are good at holding it but you mm -hmm. just don't want to exactly. anymore exactly and that's sort of that place where I had to come to of like, I just don't, there's a lot of doulas out there. There's a lot of doulas nowadays, which is great, which is great. I mean, women have their babies and they're like, I want to help. I want to support. I was yeah. that woman. Yeah. I wanted to show folks that it could feel or be, or actually, you know, like we can look at it through a different lens based on my own personal experience and my own personal experience in births since then has brought me to this place that like, I don't want to get pulled aside anymore by that nurse at Queens that like tells me a tr every time I come in tells me a trauma story about, oh, well, these women come in and they don't want to have IV Heplock, you know, and then I watch brown women turn white in just a matter of minutes, they'll just bleed right out, you know, and she pulls me aside and tells me these things and tries to get me to coerce their people into doing things that are not on their birth plans and that they don't want and that I'm some sort of barrier in between that and having to recognize that like, ma'am, I'm sorry that that's your experience, you know, like that's not typically what I've seen or what I see. And even if it is, it's not my choice. Mm -hmm. I'm here to support this woman and she doesn't want an IV haplock. Right. Yeah. And that's it, you know? And so being sort of put into different situations like that too, that I've been pulled out of. Um, I'm sorry. Right. Well, that's the dancing theme. around in a really funny suit right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, maybe that Sorry. should be our. Sorry, I'm trying to be so serious. <laughs> I've got Mr. Goon in the background. <laughs> God, we need to lighten this up a little bit somehow. Because <laughs> it can, it can feel so heavy and so serious. And, you know, we so do serious. it from our heart and it is so beautiful and epic and powerful. And, and that's why you have somehow managed to do this for 10 years. I'm like not even four years into it. And like, I'm at a similar place too you know I it's good to recognize it earlier on <laughs> yeah well you know I never planned to be a doula I wanted I my calling was clearly as a midwife um but I was encouraged by a midwife like well you know doing a doula training is a good stepping stone in that direction to start feeling it out so that's why I did a doula training but really what I what helped shaped me or, or you know taught me how to be a doula was actually being an, an assistant at home births right because we end up doing that kind of support anyways um so that's really how I learned and um thinking back to my first hospital doula um commitment it was actually a pretty good experience. I remember being really defensive the whole time. This woman made it to like 42 weeks. So I kept telling her things like, oh, we've got to be ready to like ward them off. And they're going to want to do all these inductions. And they're going to fear monger you about all these things and why you need to induce and all these. And I was like, I'll go with you. You know, I was like defensive mode, right? I was armored up. I was ready. And so you're going to save her. <laughs> oh, also, yeah. But somehow she had an amazing provider that didn't do all the classic pressures of wanting to induce at 40 or 41, or even when she was, you know, inching 42 weeks, she had a very respectful provider. So, and she had her, her natural birth in the hospital and they were really respectful. And I was like really surprised by how respectful and kind and patient and how much space they gave her and they weren't pressuring her. And I didn't see all the classic scenarios 
that I have since gotten to see. <laughs> um, but all the things you hear of like, right, oh, they're, they, they fear monger you into everything and whatever. Like I didn't see those things in that first one. So I was like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe sometimes I can do this, right? And then I've also had the experience where, you know, is like, I can't even share the story on here because it's not my story to share. I don't have permission to share it. And the woman whose story this was, like, she doesn't even see what I see. And it's a big mystery to her why she's dealing with these deep problems so many years later. And I'm like, I, I can't connect the dots for people. Um, so that's about as much as I can say about it. But I remember after that, I texted you and I think it was like seven in the morning or something. And I was like, I can't believe you fucking do this all the time. Like I, I was, I came home. That was, I, it was terrible. I came home. I told my partner like, what the fuck? And I was just, Oh, I was, oh, it, it was just too much to handle what happened that long. It was like a day and a night. It was a long adventure, but yeah and and then I felt bad I'm like why would you text someone that at seven in the morning but that's that's how this like distraught I was that I was like I didn't even contextualize that that was maybe not the cool message to send but you were the amazing understanding friend that you're like no it's cool like talk to me with you know I get it it's hard work um yeah yeah it's and and really uh, it it hurt. it's hard to not be able to share the story because it it really is the epitome of like how things can be caused you know yes. right again like you said the healthy young mom just going in everything's normal and then and walking this, out like, right yeah and it was like christmas time and they're like we're understaffed so weird things were happening just because they were understaffed you know yeah um it was terrible really um so yeah when you see things like that happening it's like unnecessary and and when women I, don't know that they're that's gonna happen like well and it's normal but it's not really normal it's just that it is normal in that world it is normal it's been normalized it's been like you know one in three women will have a c-section and that's or more one in you know one in three or more women and that's just normalized now and they grab at straws to say oh it's because your baby was too big or oh it's because of this or that oh your baby was in distress and not being able to recognize that well your baby was in distress because you got pitocin and you got pitocin because you got an epidural and you got an epidural because you know they told you to come in as soon as your water broke and whatever, you know, like there's all these and not really being able to connect all these dots, you know, and, and I also was just kind of reflecting on even so me getting into this work and doing doula work. And then as I became more and more involved in the home situation of justifying it of like, well, I need to have good relationships in case I'm transferring people into care that they know that like, I'm not a wackadoo. And like, if we need a C-section, we need a C-section and I'm not going to stand in the way of that and whatever. But then realizing even that of like, though that at this point, I feel like because of the way that I view things, you know, that I don't know that spending more time in that world is helpful for that cause anymore, because they do, I do question things of like, well, is that necessary? How much time do we have? Is it actually an emergency? Or could we wait? What if we try this? Da, da, da. And always trying to be very respectful um, and be part of the team in that situation, but then questioning and questioning and questioning and that over time, you know, they don't like that. Right. Questioning in and of itself can be seen as non-respectful. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're like, oh, here's this person again, and we want to induce this person because of whatever our agenda is and they're 40 weeks or they're whatever, you know, but all the biophysical profiles are fine. All of this is fine. I give these folks information to like rally for their cause. And then they're like, oh, that's your doula. And it's like, well, I'm not trying to get in the way. I'm just trying to 
give these people the full scenario instead of just your 40 weeks like well here's some ways to look at that of like does 40 weeks really matter and and if it does like why what is the actual rationale because just an arbitrary number isn't really good enough and for for the people who choose to work with me right it's not even necessarily my i mean yeah it's my perspective but these people share this perspective and they want this information and so that's how they end up finding out about working with me and then they take it back to their ob's and their ob's are like oh i know this story (laughs) why don't you just do what we want why do you have to ask someone who has information (laughs) or like a valid argument or a valid like way to question it and so that too of like in the long run then is that are we at that point where it's like is it really serving even the people that i would bring in who would need to be there because them starting to realize or recognize that we do have different perspectives right right well it starts feeling like well it's what it is it's a cultural clash right it's data just like culturally inappropriate care sometimes and no respect for different cultures and it this might be might not be the conventional perspective people have of culture um but yeah we're not talking ethnicity even we're talking about how we live our life and how we choose to live our lives how you relate to health and well-being and authority and decision long term not in not this moment but the long term right well we're kind of inching towards our time limit here and I know you and I, Jamie, have talked a lot about this without recording it, and and we've been wanting to record this conversation for a long time, and one of our challenges has often been like, oh, we have all these stories, and they're not ours to share, and um, but how else do we highlight, you know, what we're trying to break down for people here, because a lot of people don't realize what we mean until they're in it and they're like oh (laughs) you know it can be hard and sometimes that's just what people got to walk in life but I do have a story that I have permission to share that I'd like to share yeah (laughs) it's um it um it's by a woman on Instagram named Kaz Sales I mean on Instagram as in that's where we met Um, And sorry if I did not pronounce your name right, but she posted her story a while ago and I asked her for permission to repost it. And then she's like, yes, please share far and wide. And her intention is very much so to have her story of her birth help women understand a very common scenario that comes up um, in relationship to inductions in the hospitals, which we've touched on, right? We know inductions are so common and we should probably have another episode just on inductions and we probably will um but yeah she wants people to learn from her story so i'm gonna read straight from the posts that she made quote this wouldn't have happened if you'd have stayed at home and quote these words haunted me for years and i'll explain why 20 years ago i was 25 and five days overdue in quotes with my second baby I had severe SPD, symphysis pubis disorder, which is extreme pain in the groin. I could hardly walk. My first birth had been traumatic and I was determined this time would be different. I'd been refused a home birth, but was planning to leave it too late to get to the hospital as I desperately wanted to birth my baby at home, as I'd felt that medical intervention is what made my previous birth traumatic. On this day, the SPD was incredibly bad, and I had a five-year-old to care for, so I contacted my GP. He sent me straight to hospital where they admitted me for observation overnight. I was thinking I'd maybe get some physio, then be in my way home. Also, I was also pretty glad for the rest, to be honest. The next morning, after a sleepless night, I saw a consultant. He examined me, including a vaginal exam. Then he said, we think the only option is induction. I trusted this without question. 
He was a doctor, and after observing me, he'd made a decision. You have to remember that SPD doesn't harm baby at all and is not harmful to mother either, except for the pain. I didn't know this at the time. They immediately broke my waters and waited half an hour. This was 11.30 a.m. Surges started immediately, but after an hour, they started me on the synthetic oxytocin drip. This started hard and fast. No break between surges. I tried to stay on top of it. I didn't want pain relief due to my previous birth. Two hours later, I was dilated to seven centimeters. I was exhausted and hadn't eaten since 7 a.m. as I was nil by mouth. No idea why, as in they told her you're not allowed to eat. Um, Then at 3.30 p.m., I begged for an epidural. I couldn't manage any longer. The the anesthesis, (laughs) the anesthesis, whatever, the anesthesia administered it. Oh, the anesthesiologist, maybe the better one. Anyways, the person administered it and I had a moment of relief before they pressed the buzzer as they couldn't trace the baby's heartbeat. A room full of midwives and doctors descended on me. I remember feeling terrified and no one explained what was happening. They thrust a document in front of me and made me sign it. I don't even think I knew what it was. They just shouted at me to remove my tongue stud, which I struggled with as I'd gone into shock. Possibly not a physical issue, but the result of trauma. My my husband was kicked out of the room with our belongings and told there was only a 50% chance that we'd come out alive. When I came to, they put my gorgeous baby girl on my chest. She was pink and healthy, and I remember being so grateful to the staff for ensuring me and my daughter's survival. What heroes. My body had failed, and they had picked up the pieces. The next day, a nurse I'd seen the previous night came in to care for me. I relayed the story and said how lucky it was that I'd been induced as I was planning to labor at home. She glanced at me and said, this wouldn't have happened if you'd stayed at home I felt like I'd been slapped in the face did she mean that this was my fault as I'd agreed to induction at that moment I hated her this wasn't my fault it was my body that failed now 20 years on and after all the reading training and teaching I've done I've realized she was the only one who told me the truth she was absolutely right she could have delivered the blow better maybe but I can't imagine working in an environment where the medical intervention of a natural process is seen as the norm. When you know most women can birth their babies unaided, can leave you feeling disheartened and disillusioned with the care you choose. I think of this woman often, and I hope she got out of the system as she was one of the good ones. Remember, I went from incredibly low risk with no medical issues to a GA, an emergency C-section in less than four hours. I don't have the word count left to explain all of the ways the interventions almost certainly cause the end result, but natural birth needs an incredibly delicate cocktail of hormones to progress. We need to allow our bodies to find the balance. We do this by trusting our bodies and feeling safe. Adding high levels of artificial hormones disrupts this balance, particularly when baby hasn't gotten, hasn't given the signal to the body that it's ready to be born yet. This interruption can transform a natural birth into a cascade of interventions. And one more thing, we need to trust, learn to trust that our bodies were made for this and challenge any attempt to disrupt ours and our baby's natural synchronicity. It's why I now do what I do. I want every parent to know how safe birth can be without intervention and also to know the risk of intervention so they can make an informed decision that is right for them on the day. I know that was long-winded, but it, I mean, how many stories have we not been a part of or heard or from other women with very similar situations where they're like oh in retrospect I realized oh my induction wasn't actually medically necessary or as much as I thought it was in the moment or or women rushed into a c-section without anyone talking to them or explaining what's going on and they're like what and and it's all a big blur because no one's communicating with them because it I mean, I just saw a woman crying her eyes out, getting whirled back into a C-section, you know, and not fully understand, understanding what was going on, but not fully understanding what was going on and right. feeling really helpless, like I couldn't do anything for her. I said to her, I was like, you have to, if you don't want this, you have to say something. Right. 
Right. And, but my husband is getting the suit on. And I said, right. well, right. it's still yeah. up to you. Right. And so. that was one of these last doozies of like, I just, I'm, this is sort of like solidifying that it's okay. As much as it breaks my heart that, that I am, cannot be for everyone. I also can accept that I cannot be for everyone. And that feels better on my heart than trying to lie to myself or continue to hold space that I just don't feel like I'm in the best placement for. Yeah. So growth. Exactly. Be you, honor you, right? I mean, we hear this message all our lives, right? Be you. Don't pretend to be anything else. Not that you were pretending, but you know, it's like you outgrow. No, but really I've, yeah, I wasn't pretending, but I think that I just grew out of that space. You grow out of these layers. We do. Those jeans didn't fit no more. They did. Yeah. And you know, another thing of this woman's story is like, she was convinced that that was all needed and that she would, had been saved and it took her a while to realize oh may right maybe this was cause or maybe you know this could have played out differently or maybe the interventions played a role or right but i guess i want to use that to highlight to people that that's common right to try to discern well was this actually needed or was this caused and not everyone realizes, you know, how one intervention may have led to something else and been a part of a domino effect. And that's part of the challenge we come across, right? Of trying to highlight to people how, like, this is why we feel so strongly about this one little thing, of, even if it's a vaginal exam, which isn't a little thing. That's like a big thing. <laughs> um, but because it is so also deeply connected and can have some deep ripples. And um, I hope the story was able to highlight how the ripples can play out um, sometimes um, and invite you to, you know, just question things more. She even said in her story, she's like, this was a doctor. He evaluated me and made a decision. So I just, I did it because that's, what's his decision and it's not it's your decision and they're human you know sometimes we hold people up on pedestals but like you know we're all humans trying to do our best and make sense of things um so yeah all right well i think we got to hash that one out pretty good yeah share your stories with us did you grow towards or away from and how do you hold that space how do you um we'd love to i'd love to talk to other doulas or other birth workers and you know those those nurses that move towards it of like i want to try to help from the inside you know like i love the different perspectives and that's really in large part why i share my own is that i know it puts me in a place of vulnerability of and maybe even people thinking that I'm having some sort of judgment, but really it's about how do I hold my own space and where is that best served? And um, what do I have to take home with me at the end of the day and how do I process it? And then maybe that, and, and am I the best advocate for you in a situation where I really do feel like we've already signed away and given up all the power? Um, you know, that, that's, um, I love to hear other people's points and perspectives and experiences. And, um, and just, I'm so grateful for all of it. And, and even just for the clarity within my own world of, of knowing um, what's true. And we're all learning, we're all growing, who knows, 10 years from now, it might feel differently again. But right now, this is where I'm at. And, um, and I'm just really, um, appreciative of all those who I've been able to serve along the way to help bring me along this path and and see what's um, where I can best support and love people and not have presumed authority and not have an agenda per se <laughs> or feeling like we have to 
or you have to deconstruct all these other things that someone else has sold them or yeah yeah well anyways thanks for sharing your process and reflections with us today and yeah and being honest with yourself same (laughs) same you know I mean like you said we talk about this a lot and I know you hear it from me a lot and you know, um, it's good to be able to come full circle and share it with a with a broader audience. Um, yeah. Please yeah. do share your um, stories with us. You can email it to womanonfirepodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah. Ongoing conversation. And we are happy to be back. It felt good podcasting again this morning. <laughs> and Jamie oh there you are we have had a lot going on yeah yeah we'll need more episodes to catch up some more and we'll have them all right listeners all right thank you thank you bye aloha hey fired up listeners Daniela here I want to take a moment to acknowledge Jamie and share my gratitude and love for this woman I want to really highlight her 10 plus years of dedication to women, babies, and families as a hospital-based doula. That is really no small feat. Jamie, beloved friend, thank you for inspiring me with your resilience, perseverance, attention to detail, your wisdom, and top-notch level of kindness and love. So cheers to a decade of divine service, into growing into a new season of your life. I love you, friend.